Okay, well, this is Daniel chapter 12, or excuse me, Daniel lesson 12. Chapter 10 is where we're going to go. So uh, you can be finding that. I don't know if we have, well, we have some uh, note papers back there. They don't have an outline on there for you, but you can just write whatever you think I'm saying, okay? And then you can have whatever. <laughs> there are a lot of things that we would admit that we do too much. We eat too much food, we watch too much TV, we spend too much money, but I've never heard anybody say, I pray too much. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know what it is, I just pray too much. Sorry, Pastor, I tried to make it to church on time, but I was just praying too much. I just, you know, I just, I've never heard that. I think uh, the general consensus is that we all feel like we could probably do more praying. I don't know that there's a Christian alive that thinks, man, I am praying totally enough. Perhaps if we could see what's happening when we pray and when our prayer reaches heaven, then we might be more inclined to call out to God with more fervency and, and more often. What do you think? If God could, would let you spend five minutes in heaven and see what happens when a person prays, do you think what, that would change your prayer life? If you could see the unseen, if you could get a glimpse of the activity in the spiritual realm and what's happening when somebody prays. Well, here in Daniel chapter 10, God's going to pull back the curtain. And we're going to get a brief glimpse He's going to show us what happens on the other end of a prayer, <laughs> on the other end of Daniel's prayer. And we get a brief moment to see into the unseen. This is one of the most fascinating chapters in the entire Bible. Certain parts of this chapter have intrigued me since I was a teenager. <clears throat> and it still just rings around in my head sometimes. And it just blows me away. I remember the first time reading it and first time grasping it in my, my head, what was actually being said. Not that I grasped and understand it, but I understood what it was at least being said, and I just was blown away. So here we go. We're going to dig in. Daniel chapter 1, or Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. Here we go. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Okay, so this is the latest date in the book of Daniel, the third year of King Cyrus of Persia. You know, Cyrus, now by this time, had already allowed the first wave of Jewish captives to go back home, to go back to Jerusalem. Thousands of them, have, have, Jews, had already started making their way back to back to the homeland to restart their lives. Daniel, he's around 85 years old, so maybe that's why he stayed in Babylon. <laughs> he didn't go back with the first wave or any of the waves. He just stayed. And maybe he also thought he could do more for the Lord by staying put in the governor's or the, the king's palace. Anyway, what's, what he's saying is, in that year, a thing was revealed to me. Now, this thing is a prophecy that is actually written, that Daniel writes in chapter 11 and chapter 12. 
And we're going to look at that, the content of that next week. But in this chapter, chapter 10, it's just an introduction to that prophecy. The whole thing is really just an intro. And Daniel goes into huge and very detailed uh, descriptions of how this incredible prophecy came to him. And to start with, Daniel says that the thing, this prophecy, is true. Uh, but it's long, he says here in verse 1. In other words, it's going to happen. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to take a long time to fulfill. And in fact, we know and we, as we read it and look at it, that the complete fulfillment of what that prophecy is in later chapters, the complete fulfillment is in the distant future. So here we are, 2,600 years later from when Daniel wrote this, and we're still waiting for some of this to be fulfilled. So it has taken a long time. Interestingly, what we see here in a moment is that Daniel is getting this prophecy, though, because of his fervent prayer. Apparently, after previous prophecies, and Daniel had been taking them all, we've been talking about them, and some of these with animals and statues and all of this, it appears that Daniel is just more desperate to hear in detail what those things mean. And asking God, oh God, give us more. We, we want to understand these things. And this is really the answer to that prayer. So look at his desperation as he goes to God for greater detail in these prophecies. Verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning, weeping, three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel went into this period of mourning and semi-fasting so he could seek the Lord for answers. And wine here and oil, the anointing of himself, you know, he he didn't shave. (laughs) There was no shaving cream for three weeks. There was no oil to anoint his head. Wine and oil represented joy. And so the Jews would put off those things during periods of mourning and fasting. And again, just as a reminder, fasting before the Lord, going without something, going without food primarily, and mourning, uh, those things aren't commanded by God. But let me just say this, when we are desperate for an answer from the Lord, that could be the missing component to receiving an answer from the Lord. Jesus even talked about uh, demons coming out, and he said to his disciples, these kind only go out by prayer and fasting. So there are certain things that God will do through fasting and prayer. So think about that when next time we are desperate and in need of something. Now an important detail in this verse is that Daniel did this for three whole weeks, 21 days of praying. 21 days of mourning and semi-fasting. Daniel greatly loved his people, Israel. He was burdened. And so for those three weeks, he was thinking about his covenant people, and he was wanting those people to return to their covenant and live for Jehovah, return to God. His heart was burdened for, for those he loved, his family members, really. Like a parent who is so... Uh, desperate for their wayward child to come to God, come back to God. That's the heart I believe Daniel had here, mourning and fasting over his people, come back to God. So he tells us then that on the, we're about to see that on January 24th, 
Actually, it's not January. It's the first Jewish month, which is Adar. After 21 days of desperate prayer, uh, desperate prayer, Daniel sees something unforgettable here. Verse 4. And in the 4 and 20th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which was Hedekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. So Daniel sees this man, (laughs) but it's more than a man. Look at the features. Clothed in linen, a belt of gold, body like beryl, which is a type of gemstone, face as lightning, eyes like fire, arms and feet like polished brass, voice like a multitude. Daniel doesn't give us a name for this person. We don't have it here in the scriptures. Bible scholars give three options of who this could be. It could be Jesus himself. Very likely. It could be Jesus himself, which is, would be a Christophany, as they say it, a, a, a sighting of Christ before Christ ever came to earth. And that happened several times in the Old Testament. This could be one of them. It, or, number two, it could be Gabriel, the angel. We, Daniel had already had uh, a visit from Gabriel. Number three, it could be an unnamed mighty angel, just another angel. Now, many think it's Jesus because of the description here is so similar to the description of Jesus that John gives in Revelation chapter 1. And I like that explanation. I, that very well could be it. But I have to tell you, I personally lean a little more to this being just an unnamed angel because I think the person who speaks in just a moment is the same man who's clothed in linen. But if the words are his, if the words uh, are the, that an angel, then it can't be the words of Jesus based on what he says. And this, this is going to make more sense in just a moment as I explain it. But the other option is that this person is Jesus, and the person who speaks that we're going to see in just a moment is an angel. So there's two then uh, persons there. And that could be as well. Whatever the case, I don't think there's any reason to be dogmatic about who it is. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly who, so we don't need to be dogmatic on the issue. But we do know this. The sight of this glorious person puts Daniel on the ground. Verse 7, look what it says. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. So the men that were with Daniel couldn't see what Daniel saw, but they could tell something huge was going on. Something just wild. In fact, it was so scary to them and so big that they started to tremble and they fled. They ran away. (laughs) Every man for himself. See you, Daniel. (laughs) Then look how Daniel describes his complete terror at the sight of this person. Verse verse 8. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me (laughs) for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Uh, the closest thing is I was trying to imagine this and take these words and put it into my imagination what he was trying to say. The closest thing I can imagine to compare it to would be encountering a grizzly bear. 
And, and, and on your path, you encounter that grizzly bear, and then the grizzly bear stands up on his hind legs. That's the feeling that Daniel seems to be describing here. I was left alone. I saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. It's an elegant way to describe terror. Uh, so he was frightened out of his mind. And then the man begins to speak. Verse 9. Yet I heard the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground. So when this glorious person begins to speak, Daniel passes out. He goes down, goes into a deep sleep. He's completely out, his face on the ground. Remember, the being that we just saw, it says, as a description, he has a voice of a multitude. So imagine the decibel level when he speaks. You know, the decibel level of a normal conversation is 60 decibels. If someone is shouting, it might reach up to 110 decibels if they're shouting right at you in your face. The Seattle Seahawks Stadium has recorded uh, levels up to 137 decibels. That's the voice of a multitude. That's a ton of people screaming. Imagine this person that we just saw there in a moment, eyes like fire, face like lightning, looking right at you, and he speaks with a voice, 137 decibels. I would be on the floor too, okay? My face would be take a complete face plant into the ground. By the way, some of these TV preachers and others on TV, they say, I got a vision from God. And he has talked to me. I want to say, wow, you must have fallen down on your face in complete terror and been wiped out for days. One pastor I heard, he said, <clears throat> someone came to him and was talking about how they meet with Jesus all the time. And they said, pastor, while I was shaving even, while I'm shaving, Jesus came and talked to me. And the pastor simply asked one question. Did you stop shaving? <laughs> Did you stop shaving? The point is this, if Jesus were to show up and give you a, a revelation of himself, I think I would actually be frozen completely in fear. I'd be shaking to my core. Be, be careful, again, about flippancy and saying, God told me this, or God said this to me, or God gave me this. Be very careful. Be very careful. We see now that Daniel is in a deep sleep on his face, Completely wiped out from this. Verse 10. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. So Daniel's now on his hands and knees. He's trying to get up. And a hand touches him. Whose hand is this? We don't know. This is where it gets fuzzy as to who's touching him. If it was the man in linen who was... If that man in linen is an angel then this is probably the same person that's touching him. If the man in linen is Jesus, then now we must be introduced to a, an angel that comes and then touches him because of what this person goes on to say. It just can't be Jesus. Verse 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. So he's finally on his feet, but he's still shaking. <laughs> Verse 12. Then said he unto me, 
Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. I love that. I am come for thy words. In other words, I have come because of your prayers. I have come because of what you've said to God, what you've requested from God. This means God heard Daniel's prayer. Daniel was on earth. Daniel was crying out to God. And the first day that he started praying, God heard it. And God also saw the seriousness, as he points out here, of that prayer by Daniel's weeping and chastening himself, the weeping and fasting that he was doing. Now let's remind ourselves here something very important before we move on. We should never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. I have come because of thy words. Our words reach the heart of God. Our words reach the heart of God. So let me ask you, what is your need this morning? What is your need? What is your request? I'll tell you what. There's nothing like having a family (laughs) and having kids to make you feel your need for prayer. As my children get older and all the more as each one gets older, I feel my limitations. My limitations as a father to know how to help them, how to understand, how to discern situations, and all how many times I feel just this huge sense and need for God to help me. It has driven me to prayer so many times. But I also have a ton of other things on my list. I pray for my wife. I, I pray for you folks right here. Thank you. I, I pray for people who are sick. I pray for the needs of the church and so many other things that are going on. My list is long. But each one of those lists is, is a list full of words, full of requests, full of things I'm asking God to do in my life and the life of what he's doing right here in this church, in your life. And God wants to use our words as we bring our whole list to him. There's another piece of this, though. It's not just our words, but we also see Daniel's perseverance in his prayer. Daniel kept praying for three weeks, 21 days. He just must have sensed in his heart that I need to keep going on this. I'm praying and praying and praying. Tomorrow he wakes up, he wakes, and I, he just has that need. I need to keep praying for this. I need to see an answer. I need to hear from God about my people. So he keeps praying and praying and praying for 21 days. Just this week, um, it's interesting. I, we, I was thinking and praying and studying this, and just this week, my wife and I had a situation, and we both sensed this need. Uh, early in the week, we were discussing this issue, and, and uh, it was, it's, a, it's a people issue. And so we were just crying out to the Lord, Lord, do this, do this. But as we were discussing it, we both felt the need that both, we need to step back, humanly speaking, and not do anything, and just both cry out to God. I, we talked about it early in the week, and I said, you know, I'm studying Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel was just praying like crazy and, until God did something. So we began both just seeking the Lord intensely. Let me tell you something, everybody. By the end of the week, 
God had resolved the whole situation. I wish I could tell you the whole thing, but I can't. But by the end of the week, God had solved the whole situation without, our, without even us doing anything, without human intervention. What a moment of celebration then it was for us when we saw God just work. And, and you should have seen the praise that we gave to the Lord uh, between us. Now, I am come, this, uh, this glorious person said, I am come because of your words. So let's remember, never stop praying. Don't stop praying. What, what's the situation you're praying for? Don't stop. Now look at what the angel says next. This, this verse has gripped me. This is the one that's gripped me for 25 plus years. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Okay, now I do not understand all this, but I believe God's word. And I believe Daniel. And what we read here is that this angel is saying he was on his way from the first day you prayed, your words went up, and I, boom, I was sent to come give you the answer. But then I was withstood. The prince of Persia withstood me for 21 days. I was coming with an answer, but I was blocked. I was, I was unable to get through until Michael, the archangel, comes and he helps me in this fight. And then I was able to bring you the answer. Now, isn't this astounding? God gives us a keyhole look to see something we never get to see. Something that's beyond the here and now, beyond the physical. We're looking into the spiritual realm. And let's all be very clear this morning. There are two realms that are just as real as the other. One is the physical realm and the other is the spiritual realm. They are, they are, the spiritual is just as real as the physical and there is constant activity happening in both. The prince of the kingdom of Persia is a reference to a high-ranking demon. Apparently, this demon is assigned to persuade and influence Persia. Against, uh, against God, to oppose God and God's plan, it's in particular God's plan for his people Israel. And so this, this demon, his responsibility is to not let anything happen or not, not let anything of God's plans happen on earth. You know, this Bible speaks several times about rank and territorial assignments among the spirit realm. Ephesians 6, verse 12, look at this verse. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's the physical realm. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So look at that. There are, in that verse right there, there are all sorts of hierarchies and battling an activity going on right now in the spiritual realm. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We are wrestling in a, in, a holy, in a whole different realm. And there's hierarchy and there's high places and there's rulers and there's principalities. The reality is that we are surrounded this morning, every minute, by the spiritual realm. By angels. By demons. Right now. The Bible says that they may sometimes even manifest themselves. 
The book of Hebrews says, Some have entertained angels unawares. A person you come in contact with and entertain and talk to could be an angel. Now, the person next to you is probably not an angel. But who knows? Who knows? But here in our verse, we see an angel on his way with an answer. But he's blocked and he's opposed by this high-ranking demon. This battle is so difficult that it takes 21 days. And then Michael, the archangel, comes, another mighty angel. He comes and lends his assistance, and then the answer gets through. But here's always the question on this. What would have happened if Daniel would have stopped praying before 21 days? Daniel's perseverance and praying through impacted this battle that was happening in the heavenlies. I don't know how. I don't know how this works, but it did. You know, one Bible scholar gets us thinking here when he said, this is a very inefficient way for God to get things done. (laughs) The point obviously is this. God is far more powerful than demons. So that's no problem. He could have given the answer to Daniel another way, a totally different way. He, He could have even given the answer to Daniel without Daniel ever even praying altogether, if he wanted to. Like, for example, like when God did that back in the Old Testament with Balaam. Balaam is on his way to curse Israel. The Bible doesn't say that Israel knew about it. But Balaam's on his way, and what is? no one prayed for this situation. No one asked God to help in this situation. But God just, boom, came and sent an angel And then there's the donkey that speaks and turns Balaam around. God just did it. But then there are biblical examples where God takes the long route, the scenic route. Like even when he created Adam and Eve. You know, he created Adam first. He could have just made Eve right there. Just take care of it. Because later on he says it's not good that man should be alone. Well, then why didn't he just do it right there at the beginning? No, he waited a little while and let let Adam... Sense his need. So why then does God sometimes choose to go the inefficient route and work through prayer? Well, here's the thing. God might be allowing us to get so desperate. He wants us to get to the desperate point because that's a very good point for you and I. Because then we can really understand how much we need his help. Not just say it, oh yes, I need God's help, but really truly get it. I need his help. And then when the answer does come, we're more able to see that he was the one who did it. It was more miraculous to us in our eyes. And we appreciate the answer even more. And then we can't help but talk about it with others. And so it might be inefficient and sometimes painstakingly slow when God is delivering an answer, but it's a powerful way to go, for God to work when he works through prayer. Because he, he works in a situation, but he also works on the person praying. And he does all of that through this whole method of prayer. And that is why perseverance in prayer is so important. We keep praying, and we keep praying, and we keep praying, and we're going to see the answer come. There's a powerful novel written by the Christian writer Frank Peretti about this book called This Present Darkness. I just want to throw it out there because this fictional book is based on the scriptural passage and it presents both realms, the spiritual and the physical. 
And in this book, the more the church members pray, the more the angels are winning and defeating the demons. And the less the the church members pray, the the more that the angels are losing and the, the demons are winning in the fight. I don't know about its doctrinal perfection and all that. And I read it when I was young, but I just remember after that thinking, Lord, help me be a prayer warrior. I don't know how all my prayers impact the heavenlies and impact the spirit realm, but I'm going to pray because I know in some ways it does. And that's how we wrestle. Just imagine if we could see the battle raging. So we know there is a spiritual realm and there's kingdom over Persia. There's a, a prince over Persia. There's a prince over Greece, as we'll see in just a moment. I wonder what demon is assigned to America. I wonder what the Prince of America is doing right now. Just imagine if we could see the battle raging in the halls of the nation's capital. If we got a keyhole look into what's actually happening. Yeah, there are all these people talking, but oh, there's such a spiritual thing going on. The spiritual forces that are persuading people to make laws that affect people, God's people. Imagine if we could see the unseen battles that are raging in homes when it just looks like a husband and wife are arguing, but there's actually a spiritual battle. Imagine if we could see the angels and demons fighting it out when a person's getting tempted or when they're deciding whether to come to church or not. <laughs> and there's this, this spiritual thing going on. Don't stop praying. All right, let's, let's finish this up. Verse 13. I want to read it as we lead into the next few verses. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground and became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned unto, upon me. And I have retained no strength. For now, for how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Daniel is just overwhelmed again at this whole event taking place. He drops down to the ground again, feeling unworthy and maybe somewhat weak from 21 days of fasting. This was just too much for a man to take in. He was fearful. He was in shock. He was wiped out. This is probably why God doesn't allow us, everyone, to get a peek in the spiritual realm all the time. We would be unable to bear it. Unable to bear it. And isn't it interesting that all that is happening around us while we go on with life, and we're making everything else seem so important. We make all our life about houses and cars and things and stuff. We should be asking, how am I preparing for a thousand years from now? Anyway, Daniel, at this point, he's trying to stand on his own two feet. Verse 18, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. This angel is about to give Daniel a very complex and difficult vision of the future of Israel. We're going to try to do our best to go through that quickly next week. But he starts with this major prophecy. This whole prophecy, he starts with these words. O man, greatly beloved. O man, greatly beloved. Which, if you remember, has been said to Daniel before. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear from the being whose eyes are like fire? (laughs) Who could consume Daniel with just a word? You are greatly beloved. You're greatly beloved. And every person in this room has that same thing said about them. For God so loved the world. You are greatly beloved. The God who could consume you has chosen to love you and love you enough to extend His mercy on all those who put their trust in Him. And here's something I need to mention anytime we talk about demons. When we're in Christ, there is no spiritual power that has authority over us. The blood of Christ has already taken care of that. They have zero authority over our life. Romans 8, verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life Look at this, nor angels, nor principalities, demons, nor powers, demons, nor things present, nor things to come, verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you accept Christ as your Savior, no demon can separate you from the love of God. By the way, you're not going to hear that in other religions. I just read this week about a Muslim, a testimony of a lady who was a former Muslim. She said, there's one thing I never heard is that God loves me or God loves us. It was always do these things and hope that at the end, God will accept you. And you don't even know for sure. And by the way, the Muslims you and I meet out there are under that same burden. Always under that same burden and under that same weight. No, the one true God says nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to be sharing that good news. Verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I am come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia, or Greece, shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. In other words, after I'm done giving... This prophecy to you, I'm going to go back and fight with the prince of Persia. And after that, I'll be fighting with the prince of Greece. These demonic princes are assigned to persuade Persia, to persuade Greece, to hinder the work of God. And interestingly, by the way, back then, both of them tried to erase the Jewish people from the earth. And that's what their plan was. The devil knew that the Messiah was going to come through the Jewish line. Persia tried to wipe out the Jews. Greece tried to wipe out the Jews. And again, I wonder what God or what the princes of darkness are trying to do here in America. And it's fascinating that the only one helping him here is Michael, the archangel, who is called your prince or Daniel's prince or the Jewish people's prince. Michael, as we look in Scripture and other places, seems to be the angel that's assigned to protect Israel. A powerful angel. He's a general in God's Air Force. A few years ago, as we end here, I, we took a tour of Edwards Air Force Base. And I remember the thought that came to me as I was walking around on the flight line, seeing all these airplanes everywhere, the, and thinking of the money that had been spent in this one base for every one of these uh, jets and fighter planes and just all the things that were sitting out there and all the people working. And I was just thinking... They're everybody here. They're all this. This their one job is to protect Americans. That's what all this is about. And this is just one of the many bases. So I felt very protected as I was walking around being an American. <laughs> I felt very protected. 
But you know, as I think about that, that is, there's, there's nothing compared to God's Air Force. <laughs> God has his legions on standby all around to run to the aid of his people. It's all that's waiting on is us. Pray. Persevere in prayer. God, send an answer. I need this. I have this thing that I need. Oh, God, hear my words. Father, we praise you. We love you.